Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of the Echo Corpus Christi Podcast, the podcast featuring Corpus Christi's creators, makers, doers, and builders. Holly Schaub is our guest on today's episode. Holly is a Corpus Christi transplant who has put down family and professional roots here. About 10 years ago, she and her husband Aaron moved here from Guam, he to be a Navy flight instructor. Her? Well, that's the story she shares with us on this episode. But you probably know where the story is today, where Holly is the chief baker and owner of Fed by Bread. If you've listened to episode 5, you'll remember that Randy Carroll mentioned that Holly and Fed by Bread played a significant role in helping Randy's business, Driftwood Coffee, get started. But helping local businesses get started is not all that Holly and Fed by Bread have done. Their primary focus has been creating and selling delicious baked goods so that they can donate profits to provide meals, medical care, and educational opportunities in Rwanda and other parts of Sub-Saharan Africa. And not only have Holly and Aaron grown a business to support children in Africa, you'll learn on this episode that they've been blessed to help children even closer to their home. Let's visit with Holly. Well, Holly Schaub, welcome to the Etcho Corpus Christi podcast. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to have you on today. So, you know, we usually start the podcast asking people how they got to Corpus Christi or are they Corpus Christi natives? So what's kind of your Corpus story? So Aaron and I moved here 10 years ago via the U.S. Navy. <laughs> A good reason to be here. <laughs> yes. So we were stationed in Guam before here and moved here 10 years ago and I had just finished my master's degree and he was going to be a flight instructor and I was pregnant with our first mm -hmm. kid. So we moved here and we picked a house sight unseen <laughs> and <laughs> still fun. live in that house four Perfect. kids later. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. That's a lot to manage. Yes. It's been good though. So you love the beaches in Guam and you decided to come enjoy our super beautiful beaches here in Corpus. Is that about how that went? Uh, that's kind of how that worked. <laughs> are y'all beachy people? Are you from coastal towns growing up originally? Or are y'all from less, uh, less water towns and more arid areas? Uh, we are not from the beach. Okay. Um, Aaron grew up in East Texas. He's from Nacogdoches. Okay. And I grew up on a farm, a wheat farm in Oklahoma. Oh, so uh, yeah. Yeah. So was your, was your farm growing up close to a bigger city or did you go to school with how did that work? Small, small school, large school? So I graduated with 49. Okay. So smaller school. <laughs> a town, yes. Town of about Fairview. Fairview. Fairview is the name or is the name. About 3,000 people. And the closest town, like where we would go shopping or go to the mm -hmm. movie or anything like that was about 35 minutes away. So Northwest Oklahoma, Oklahoma City was about two hours away. Okay. So when y'all got here to Corpus Christi and you were getting ready to have your first child, were you working after finishing your master's degree or what was kind of in your future? I was not. And there was all kinds of stirring of what am I going to do now? Um, I'd finished my master's in intercultural studies. Okay. And so I'd done development, uh, like cross-cultural education. I had just been working um, for a small college on the island in Guam. So I was working with all these different students from mm -hmm. islands all around Guam. And then we moved here. I'd finished my master's and had done this long research project of how like their worldview was shifting in the islands just because of technology and so many things mm -hmm. were changing. And then we moved here and I was like, what, what am I going to do now? <laughs> and now what? <laughs> yes. Yes. All these different things started to come together. Um, I had obviously had grown up on a wheat farm mm -hmm. and we had had a house blessing, like had a bunch of people come over um, soon after we moved in. 
with some church friends that we had met and okay. I baked a bunch of bread and this idea, I had just been wrestling, like, what am I supposed to do now? Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to do nothing after, I mean, obviously raising kids is a full-time sure. job, right? but I wanted to do something to also show my kids that you can still use what you have where you are and still contribute mm-hmm. to big things. And so this idea was born of start baking bread coming from so much of my past and give away 100% of your profit, uh, just give away everything that we make and donate it to organizations that are loving people in good ways, primarily through sustainable development. Okay. And so so I was like six, six or seven months pregnant and it started in July of 2009. <laughs> right. And we just told our friends, I mean, I hand drew the little flyers. We oh, sold perfect. three types of bread. Um, and so I would bake on Tuesday or Thursday and just take orders. And then I would hand deliver the bread all over Corpus. Wow. I would like plan out my route, mm-hmm. got people's addresses and would hand deliver hot bread. Or you were the Uber warm. of bread before there was Uber. <laughs> I was. Perfect. Yes. So did you have, did you grow up baking on the farm or did y'all, was it a commercial wheat farm? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So my dad didn't have any sons. So I have two older sisters. The three of us were very involved okay. in, in the whole wheat growing process. And we also did cattle too, but so we were the ones that were driving tractor, working the land after harvest, very involved in the whole process. But my mom and my grandmother were amazing bakers. Okay. And so we had our hands in the flour from a very early age. So it's just something that, you know, you don't realize until you're older that, oh, this is a skill that I grew up with that's very normal and common in my family, mm-hmm. but not everybody has this. So so after starting Fed by Bread in what, was it 2009? Yes. After starting Fed by Bread in 2009, have you gotten tired of the smell of freshly baked bread? Never. I mean, once you're in the kitchen, after it starts to come out, you mm-hmm. don't smell it anymore. Okay. But since we've been in this kitchen here, right. <laughs> people can smell it out in the parking lot, and yes, they never can. have trouble finding us. <laughs> so I guess we should go ahead and say we are in the in the commercial kitchen at Annapolis Christian Academy, where you've been baking for a number of years at this point. Yes. What was it like starting Fed by Bread in the in the kitchen at home? So we, I mean, I'll, all I could do was four four loaves at a time. Mm-hmm. And the whole process of letting it bake, I mean, making the dough, letting it rise, and then I would put it out on my dryer because it was always, it's always hot in corpus <laughs> and humid, so it's a perfect right. rising conditions for bread. Uh-huh. And then I'd throw it in the oven. So our capacity, we were, I baked in our kitchen for about two and a half years. Okay. And I had two kids in those two and a half years. And after about two and a half years, Aaron deployed, well, we were here for three years, and then he deployed for a year. And I had some good friends that had helped me find during the holidays, find a commercial kitchen to bake in. But then I'd always move everything back to my house and just go back to the slow. But then we started getting orders. I guess it would be, I'm trying to think, October of 2012. Um, Aaron had been gone. He was going to be gone for a year. He had been gone for about six months. And I couldn't keep up with the orders at our house. Oh, wow. And so a friend of mine, we started driving around town trying to find somewhere that just had like an empty place for us. Yes, just we were thinking just for the holiday season. And then right under our nose, my kids were going to school here. And we were Mm -hmm. like, why? Let's go check out that kitchen. So we got permission from um, from the headmaster and just the the staff here. And no one had been using this kitchen in Douglas. So we moved in and cleaned it up and got it certified, and we've been here for, what would that be, seven years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the process like when you come into a commercial kitchen that hasn't, that has really not been a commercial kitchen in the sense that it hasn't been certified, hasn't been inspected, and so forth? What does that look like from 
scratch to what you're able to do now? It was a little daunting. Thankfully, there was good equipment here. Okay. We had a little, there was a lot of just stuff that didn't belong. Um, I had to get my, my kitchen manager certification, okay. which wasn't a huge deal, but it took some time and some work. Um, just cleaning up the facility, just getting the things that we needed. Thankfully, we had a lot of our equipment donated, like our proofers, the convection oven, um, all my carts, a lot of our equipment was donated, so that really cut down costs mm -hmm. for us. But most of it was just elbow grease, thankfully, of sure. getting in here. How did the donors of the equipment hear about Fed by Bread? So, being a military wife, um, one of my, I call her one of my sister wives, okay. <laughs> that we... Not um, in the plural marriage sense. No, right? <laughs> yes, my deployment wife. Uh -huh. So we had our babies together. She was here those three years, the first three years, okay. and then even that first that year of deployment. Mm -hmm. um, and she, her, she's from here, Ashley Hall. Okay. And her dad um, was has been in Corpus his whole life, and so he saw the need. He knew what mm -hmm. we were doing, and he was a huge help to us in getting. He just had some equipment sitting around in one of his warehouses, and he's like, "Here, why don't you take this?" Oh and wow. So, Yes, so that mixer sitting uh -huh. over there, our proofing oven, our, our proofer, the racks, just a lot of stuff. He was like, here, this mm -hmm. is just sitting in a warehouse. So it was amazing to see, I mean, I don't know, you might find that in a big town, but I loved how people really jumped on board kind of from the beginning once I started hearing about this bread girl making right, cinnamon right. rolls. Right, <laughs> this crazy bread girl, yes. these delicious cinnamon rolls. So I should say yeah. the uh, mixer that Holly is referring to is not like a little KitchenAid kitchen counter mixer like you could put a small child in the mixing bowl <laughs> and make a swimming pool out of it it's yes. pretty huge yes so why did he have the the equipment just hanging out in a in a warehouse was he a, a kitchen guy or a chef or um he is an incredible jack of all trades okay but i think he was buying properties that might have equipment left over and so okay. he just had all this random oh, stuff well, that he was probably selling but gave some of it to us that's awesome so yeah. i know fed by bread does as its primary purpose donate money to different organizations. How do you choose which ones and what was that process like for you? That was a really long process. So the first couple of years after we kind of, I think our first year we gave away two or $300 and we were <laughs> super awesome. pumped. Absolutely. And you Absolutely. know what? Those sure. two or $300 matter. And so if there's somebody listening to this podcast ever that wants to start something, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how big it is. Just start something. Absolutely true. And we started actually right after Tom's did, and okay. he Blake had written a book about um, do something that matters, mm -hmm. and he just one of the big things that I took away from that book was just start. You might have a dream, you might have a vision, but just start. Don't think that you have to have it all figured out right away. And Amen. we did it. Mm -hmm. That we were so grassroots, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and I mean, I would get online yep. and try to find nonprofit bakeries, and there really wasn't such a thing. And so we just kind of figured it out. So the first couple of years, we we sponsored two kids through World Vision, and then we would do certain grants through World Vision and Compassion. Okay. Um, and then we moved on. There was another organization that we gave. Uh, there, Our whole target area has been Sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. So when we started, um, after we had moved after we had moved here, I was reading a lot about the world food crisis in okay. Sub-Saharan Africa. So that's why I wanted to target for this specific area. So it kind of started broad, but then after we, after Aaron deployed, to move on to the story, after Aaron deployed, he came back and we decided to stay in Corpus a little longer, kind of indefinitely. So we knew it was time for us to put down some roots mm -hmm. in a lot of ways that we wanted to grow Fed by Bread, but then we also wanted to develop a partnership with 
a specific organization sure. in in Africa. And so um, all these open doors just flew, or just a lot of doors flew wide open for us to start partnering with African New Life in Rwanda. Okay. And so that is who we primarily partner with. Um, we've been there several times. There is a, so we give 100% of our profit to them and then we have uh, three sponsor kids that we sponsor, but okay. um, through African New Life, there is a school in Kijeo. Actually, those kids right over there. Oh yeah, Kijeo, that picture. It's a cute picture. Yeah, um, so we provide lunches for their school. How does that work? So, through through cash and and your monetary donations, or do you actually yes. send bread? No, okay. and that can be really confusing for a lot of people. <laughs> um, no, so we function like a small bakery here. Okay. Um, that we bake and sell locally, and then we cover our costs, and then we donate everything to African New Life, specifically to their food program okay. that will feed those kids at that school. How, from starting with two or three or four different varieties of loaves of bread, where are you now in your scale of offerings, and how did you choose along the way which would be the next things that you would do? Yeah. Um, a lot of it, I got bored. <laughs> <laughs> a great Some reason <laughs> to innovate, for sure. Yes. For sure. Um, and I like variety in what I eat. I don't like to eat the same thing. So we started changing things. I might make something for someone, and they're like, you totally need to sell this. Mm -hmm. So that's how our cinnamon rolls got started. Actually, a good friend of mine, um, the year that this was, I think I was pregnant with Gwen, so this was like year two. Okay. And I was like, is this thing ever going to take off? Right, right. <laughs> and she... I mean, I love donating $200, but I would like to do more. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we uh, started, we made cinnamon rolls that year for Christmas, mm -hmm. and word just got out. So we started cinnamon rolls, but then we added some more fun things, because not everyone likes gluten, even though I am all about gluten, because right. I grew up on a wheat farm. <laughs> it has um, been a part of your life for a couple of years, yes. <laughs> yes. So not everyone wants to eat that, which right. is totally great. So then we started offering some other things like granola, which is probably one of our biggest sellers now. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of a fluke accident that we offered for Easter one year, and then it never came off our menu. <laughs> and that's something, how that works. Yes. So I, I will say, personally, I'm very grateful to your friend that said do cinnamon rolls. They are incredible. Oh, I am very curious about the difference between making things that you bake in an oven. I know granola is baked to some extent, but how do you decide yeah. on the ingredients for something that's going to come out in a loaf-type form mm -hmm. versus someone, something that comes out like granola? I, mean, I don't understand. I, I don't know baking at all, so I'm totally ignorant when I ask this question, which is why it probably sounds like an ignorant question. <laughs> <It's> but <not. laughs> is, it, is it far more complicated to choose the ingredients to get the right flavor and rise and all the things you get in bread versus just kind of putting a mishmash of stuff together and making granola? There's so much more science and not trickery, but not right. trickery at all, but there's just so much more science that goes into Magic. a loaf of bread. Yes. Right. <laughs> and so there is a lot of testing that goes on that okay. I'll do before I'll actually offer a loaf. Um, because I want to make sure that it's right. And I would have a couple people that I would take loaves to and be like, that, that I know had a good refined taste buds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not just, this is amazing, Holly. Right, I, need I love your bread, thank would, you. Yeah. Yes, that I can remember taking a loaf to a friend that, and I was like, does this need more cardamom? It's our pumpkin cinnamon chip loaf. Okay. And she was able to help me be like, no. So I, so the, all of the yeast breads or our sourdough mm -hmm. that which, we started offering those. I went to a sourdough school because so many people were asking for sourdough. Okay. So we started offering sourdough a couple of years ago. Um, there's a lot more science that 
not just, I shouldn't say science, but testing that goes into that. Mm. Granola, you can get on, you can get on the internet and find any good granola recipe, but I still would test it. And I always wanted to stay true to um, good ingredients, mm -hmm. local if possible. Like we use honey from Texas. We okay. wanted to, the flour actually that we use for years and years um, comes from a mill in Oklahoma, close to where I grew up. So I knew the farmers that were okay. growing the wheat. Um, but I wanted to use wholesome ingredients, mm -hmm. trying to get away from refined sugars, but using natural sugars and just good things, good things that I would feed my family. So with the, with the loaves of bread and the kind of the magic that goes into creating those, are they sensitive to, I love pralines. And I know that it can oh. be super hard to make a praline in a humid mm -hmm. area, mm -hmm. although they, they make them like candy in New Orleans, I guess. But yeah. watching my mom make them growing up, there was always the frustration of it's too humid, it's not humid enough. It's too hot, it's too cold. Is bread yeah. equally sensitive? Bread is very finicky, okay. but it actually is, there's a lot of grace. I mean, okay. one of the one of the slogans I should have painted on the wall in here <laughs> is that dough is grace. I love it. Because you can really, you think you can mess up as long as you don't kill the yeast whenever you right. put your warm water in, that it will rise and look beautiful. Because we would bring people in here, because obviously this is volunteer run, right. that we would have, I have volunteers that come on the weeks that I'm baking and a, a group of ladies that help me bake. And they would be really intimidated about rolling out cinnamon rolls or mm -hmm. anything. But I would always say that dough is grace because there is, it will rise and look beautiful even though it might not look great right now. But Corpus has been really great because it is humid mm -hmm. and it is relatively warm. Even though most of the bread goes in the proofing cabinet, there was always a, a good, I mean, sure. the conditions here were really good. Um, sourdough, that's a whole nother mini day process uh with my mother starter that i have to feed and then so like that. a scoby or something like that like it uh, like not a... quite as scary as a okay. scoby okay <laughs> but yes no, the giant octopus in yes the okay my mother the, the, i call it the mother she's right. living in my refrigerator right now and she did get thrown out and oh, it was no. a very sad day but she's replaced does she have a name the mother <laughs> no but <laughs> i should maybe person. i should name her <laughs> So what does the mother do? Why do you need a mother for sourdough? And what's different about sourdough from not sourdough? From not sourdough. Okay, so most of the loaves that I've made most, I mean, for the 10 years we've been doing this, mm -hmm. are made from instant yeast. So okay. it's yeast that's activated through warm water, okay. getting wet and being warm. Um, sourdough is a whole different process where it is, it's just flour and water mixed with yeast from the air and yeast that like, that is just settles on everything. Okay. So it is naturally leavened. Um, it is how they made bread before instant yeast was ever available, <laughs> but it takes time. Uh -huh. And so let's say I was going to make, I needed, I needed a sourdough loaf on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So today, this afternoon, I'm gonna feed my mother. I'm just gonna feed it water and flour, okay. let it sit out in room temperature, and it's gonna bubble. It's gonna start feeding off mm -hmm. the, the sugars and the flour, and it's gonna bubble up. Okay. And then tomorrow, I'll probably feed it again. And then on, no, tomorrow I would, I'd feed it tomorrow morning. Tomorrow night, I would take the, um, the, the leaven that I have, add more flour and water, and salt, because okay. you always need salt. Absolutely true. <laughs> yes, and mix that. It's all done by hand. And then you let it sit in the fridge overnight in a banneton, which are these things right here Okay. Um, that make make the loaves really pretty. It helps it form it, and then you bake it the next day. So it's like a four-day process. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we are talking on a Thursday just for a point of reference. So yeah. it would take four days to get to a loaf of sourdough. Yes. So when you're when you're feeding the mother, what I'm imagining is like a cupcake with you know the batter in the little cupcake holder, and then as you uh -huh. feed it, this kind of top rises out of the cupcake holder. Is that kind of what it looks like? Or what does it look like when the mother yeah. starts growing? Yes, it looks, have you ever seen yeast activated in water? Like yes. in, okay, so it looks like that, but it's thicker. It's okay. kind of like a goopy, so I'll usually do it, I'll mix it in a glass bowl. Okay. And so you usually, after you've mixed, you have your starter and there's a certain percentage of how much water and flour okay. you'll add to your starter. And then you watch it grow. And once it's doubled in size, then it's like at the peak of, it's like, it's at the peak that that's the perfect okay. time to start making your bread. So do you like lop the, lop it in half and save half like you would with a SCOBY or something? Or how does, how do you save the mother? I just save a little bit. Okay. Like that I'll put in a little Tupperware container and throw it in my fridge. Okay. Um, and so she's not yes. growing in your fridge right now unless you're feeding her or does she's she grow? Sleeping. Okay. She's going to dormant. Yes. She okay. is sleeping right now. But you have to feed her a couple of times before you actually want to use it. It sounds a lot like me. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is, is sourdough that much more complicated than baking regular instant yeast type bread that, that required you to take a class to do it? Or was it just you took a class because it was unfamiliar and you wanted to maintain your kind of level of excellence that you'd already established? It's just a totally different type of baking. Okay. And I think I wanted to learn because I knew... I was just ready to learn something else mm -hmm. and to just be able to create something from flour and water and right. salt. Pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, it is more time intensive, obviously, mm -hmm. as I was just explaining. There isn't the instant gratification that you get from using instant yeast. But the whole process for me as a creative, like using your hands, mm -hmm. is it's actually in a lot of ways therapeutic for me just because it's it's such a picture of life. like. Most things aren't instant, even though we live in instant gratification sure. society, that the growth and the development of something really good takes time. That's it very, doesn't very happen. True. It doesn't happen right away. And it's worth the wait because whenever you cut into a crusty sourdough loaf that has rosemary all spread out inside mm -hmm. and it's so soft inside, it is worth it. And it, you can taste it the is difference. Awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. So I haven't eaten today and so I'm starving. So this is. <laughs> This conversation's not helping anything. Uh, with with being a baker, is that an appropriate term Absolutely. for you? Okay. So with being sure. a baker professionally, does that make you more or less likely to want to bake at home for the family or for friends? It depends on the season. Okay. Um, like right now, because we are in a slower season, because we are school is ending and we are getting ready to move, which we'll get into. Uh, I enjoy baking because I don't. I'm not doing it as much. Okay. Um, during the holidays, it's the last thing that I really want to do whenever mm -hmm. I come home. Um, but I still love it at home because actually two of my kids are really into it. Oh, that's fine. Uh -huh. And so my seven-year-old and my two-year-old always want to be a part of the process. <laughs> Very and helpful ages, I'm sure, in the kitchen, <laughs> yes. no doubt. <laughs> Ironically, the two-year-old is not as messy as the seven-year-old. Oh, no, that's funny. Yes. <laughs> I'm not entirely surprised knowing them, but that is funny. Um, what kinds of things do they like to bake with you at home? Pancakes. I mean, well, anything. Pancakes, scones. Can I ask biscuits. you an offensive question? Are you pancake yeah. biscuit pancake or are you pancake from scratch pancake? What do you think, Rob? <laughs> I will confess, <laughs> I'm a biscuit pancake person and I have been my whole life and I love it. But yes. I don't have the skill set to 
or the knowledge or maybe the time to commit to baking a pancake from scratch or cooking one from scratch. Yeah. I don't know if you technically bake it on a griddle or you cook yeah. it, I'm not real yeah. sure. But uh, I would imagine that the fed by bread wizardry into a pancake is pretty amazing. <laughs> well, here's the difference. My kids love the, the pancakes at Cancun. Like okay. when they go to Cancun, if we actually go, mm -hmm. that's our favorite taqueria here in okay. town. When we go for breakfast, they want to get pancakes because those pancakes are not like mom's pancakes because well. mom's, pan mom's pancakes <laughs> have like oats and right, flax exactly. <laughs> and nuts and blueberries in them. Mom mom's pancakes aren't sending you into type two diabetes <laughs> right away. Yes. Right. Right. But my biscuit, I still do. Right. That. But they're still really good and fluffy. They are that. <laughs> so they my kids that. do not discriminate on it. I love that. Pancakes. That's good. Yeah. That's very good for sure. Yeah. So with Aaron being kind of the husband of the baker, is he a truth telling tester of the bread and the other products or is he kind of a, you ask him, does this taste good? And he's thinking, is this a question? Do I look fat in this dress? And he's saying, of course not. You know, is that, how have you found him as a partner in the business from a giving you good feedback versus maybe being yes. a husband and saying, you know, honey, you're doing a great job. He has been the biggest champion through this whole thing. Okay. First of all, he's my CFO. He does okay. all the money. Appropriate. All the given that he's an accountant. Yes, yes. <laughs> he does all those things. But he has been like my biggest supporter from the beginning. Which, if you don't have a support team doing something like this, if I wouldn't have had him, I probably would have quit a long time mm -hmm. ago. Um, and he is also very honest. The other day, he told me not to make something again. Oh wow, that is very I, honest. I'm trying. Actually, I'm racking my brain what it was. But he was like. I don't really like this. Mm -hmm. Don't make this again. Or don't put this in something. Oh, um, wow. oh it was cookies. This is his what? discerning taste. Yes. Uh, my chocolate chip cookies that I have made forever right. and we actually sell, I put a little bit of cin cinnamon in yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. And he told me the other day, he was like, that the, I don't know what you put in it. I think it was, he's like, I know it was cinnamon and, cinnamon and I think it might have been a little bit of something else. I don't know, but he's like, go back no to the original way. and did you tell him by the way this is the original uh, i did i was like i just had a little cinnamon he was like but i don't like it and i was like oh my goodness oh okay. my word holly that's funny um what has it been like for you two working together i know that he's been doing kind of the financial side of the business but there are some couples that work super well together my in-laws for example my father-in-law's a dentist and she runs the practice and others that say, you know what, we kind of get enough time together at home. We're going to enjoy our professional lives separate and apart. Yeah. How has it been for y'all working the business together? He doesn't come up here and bake very often. And he knows that like coming in here, he can get kind of a, not overwhelmed, but he knows that he needs to do things how I want them done versus mm -hmm. how he wants them done. But there have been times that I've been short on help and he'll come up and he'll get to work. Aaron is probably one of the hardest workers that I've ever met or have known, and I'm grateful to be married to such a hard worker. Uh, but it has been really good. I've never uh -huh. had it. We know our giftings, and we know we're a great team, and we don't try to tell each other how to do each other's That's jobs. That's probably pretty helpful. Yes. And so there are mornings, like our flour was delivered from the mill in, in Okeen, Oklahoma, down to Corpus Christi. There was a truck that was bringing it, and mm -hmm. Aaron would get up at 5 every morning on the the weeks that the truck was coming and he'd go and pick up wow. all my flour and put it in my car so that I could come in and load it here at the kitchen. So there are things like that, that we just could not have, I couldn't have done this mm -hmm. by myself. And I'm grateful that my teammate was my husband in this versus somebody else. For sure. And I think there's just an appreciation that you have for running a business and 
whenever you get to see both sides of it because mm -hmm. you don't always get to see that if you're not living with the person that's <laughs> quite the true side of it. quite true <laughs> so there are a couple of things that I, I would really love to talk to you about because I think they're they're special efforts that you and Aaron have made as your family uh, the first of which yesterday um, y'all celebrated a special event which was the second time you've done it I'd love mm -hmm. for you to go ahead and kind of tell the audience about how it came to be a couple years ago and yesterday and about your two boys that have joined the family and kind of yeah. walk us through, you know, I guess we'll keep, be sensitive as to names just in case, but I think Absolutely. just in the general sense, I think it's a super special part of what the shops have done because not only have you started a ministry that gives money to Rwanda and the Southern part of Africa, but you're doing something like that at home on a day in and day out basis. And I think that's an important, an important um, concept to touch on here. Yeah. So let's see, I'm trying to think figure time wise. Um, three years ago, we, I had in the fall, what would that be? 2016. I went to Rwanda. I took a team of girls with me to Rwanda and, um, had visited our partners, mm -hmm. had an incredible time. And we, I really felt like the Lord was saying, you need to take the next step with fed by bread and like, let's go bigger. I don't know, go bigger. Is, right. That's not always the right, but we need to take the next step with mm -hmm. fed by bread and, um, expand a little bit beyond where we are. And so I came back in September, was really excited. Um, we started taking those steps, finished the holiday season. And then, uh, New Year's Eve of 2016, um, we were asked by a local family that we know, to come and talk about adoption with them. And so we went and met with our family wow. and in a, in the course of like 30 to 45 minutes, the conversation turned toward two, would you consider adopting this five month old, our five month old grandson who was sitting there wow. with us? And so Aaron and I knew that we knew, we knew that adoption would always be a part of our story, okay. but we hadn't really known how that would come about. There were times that he was all yes. And I right. was like, no, it's not time. and we didn't feel led at that time to go through the foster care system. Mm -hmm. And so we, so they asked us this question. <laughs> we were like, okay, let us think about that for a little bit. Right, sure. Process us through that. So we got in the truck and I started crying and I cried for probably almost two weeks. Okay. <laughs> because obviously this was placed right before us and Absolutely how could true. we say no? Right. But at the same time, I knew my life was going to drastically change. Sam and Gwen were already in school mm -hmm. and I had just, you know, two, three months before that really felt like the, God was saying, right. Really ramped up fed by bread. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like let's, let's see where this mm -hmm. business could go and what we could do with it. Sure. And so I just had a lot of so questions. Here's one more dramatic life change. <laughs> right. Go and do this go. too. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, and so for the next couple of weeks, Aaron was, I mean, his foot was on the accelerator. He okay. was like, yes, let's do this. We'll figure it out. And so through the process of all of this, um, the verse in, Jer in Joshua 1 about be strong and courageous, that verse kept coming up mm -hmm. everywhere. And so I started <laughs> doing a little word search of like, what does sure. it really mean to be uh -huh. courageous? And the word courage comes from four Hebrew words that mean that together mean the, um, the strength that comes from binding yourself to something. Okay. And so we just, we, I was just in this place of, okay, God, if you want us to do this, I'm expecting you to mm -hmm. show up and to, I'm going to bind myself to you because you have to do this. And so we, um, said yes. Oh, and wow. January 26th. So 
less than four weeks later, uh, Cohen was in our home and his adoption was finalized two months after that. It was okay. crazy fast. That is crazy fast. And Cohen means courage. His name oh, means courage. Great. I love that. So we transitioned. I started baking again. We got lots of help. Um, birth family is a really big part of our life. Okay. And um, super, super grateful for them. They have become our family. Mm-hmm. Um, so adoption was finalized in April and then we found out that um, Cohen was going to have a little brother as far as like uh, his biological mom mm-hmm. was pregnant again. And so um, he was born several months early Okay, and he was placed in our care. He was born December 28th and was placed in our care in February wow. as in a year and a half ago. Right. And so we had two little boys. Um, he was in the NICU for a while, but eventually came home mm-hmm. and um, is doing great. And so we have gone through the whole process. And yesterday we were able to celebrate that Levi became Levi Shop. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've got two biological kids, two adopted children, and y'all have decided to move halfway across the country. Right. So <laughs> why not? Right. right. Why not? Why Let's not? just do one more thing. Right. Right. One more thing. Right. So one thing I did know, so we started baking again last fall, okay. like more full time after I took some time off with sure. Levi coming home and being so little. And I think I also realized there's this whole thing for, for me to realize that my identity isn't necessarily my assignment. Sure. And I knew last fall, like after Christmas or around Christmas time, just I wasn't feeling like I was doing this super well because I have four little people to take care of mm-hmm. right now. And so I knew that we needed to slow down and kind of pull back a little bit. Okay. And so that is kind of the season that we're in right now. We're still doing granola. Right. We haven't walked off. We're still here, <laughs> but we're just not baking as consistently because it's just, as I need this season. Because you have four little people that you're watching out right. for. Right, right. Sure. Right. And I'm grateful for the freedom to be able to do that, that mm-hmm. this... And I had to really, I had to wrestle and kind of grieve with the fact that yeah, I, bet. Um, I wouldn't be doing what I love as often, mm-hmm. but I know that the assignment that I have right now with my little people at home is where I'm supposed to be, um, or at least be more full time sure. and be present. And so, uh, anyway, we are... <laughs> Is, the, is she having trouble? Is that no, the no, ma'am. <laughs> Sorry, I just your no, you're doing fine. It's no problem. You're next. <laughs> I love her. I know. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, yes, we decided to slow down a little bit, mm-hmm. and Aaron knew that there was an opportunity. Found out there was an opportunity for to go to Navy War College as a reservist. He's a CPA, but is still flying part time. Right. And so he applied and we got in. So we're, our family is packing up in June and we're kind of going on a, not kind of, we are going, going on a one year adventure and we're moving to Rhode Island. That sounds awesome. So yeah. See some snow. Yes. See some other Seasons. things. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have you already found, made arrangements to live up there and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Okay. We have renters for our house here mm-hmm. and we have a house up there that we rented and um, we're excited. We're planning our route of who all we're going to see on the way up. So what will be, <laughs> we'd love to for sure. What will be happening with Fed by Bread while you're in Rhode Island? So a good friend of mine that has baked off and on with us for years, mm-hmm. uh, she is retiring and she asked me, she said, can I keep this going while you're gone? Well, that's fantastic. I know. And I said, absolutely. She's mm-hmm. 
I would say she might even be a quite a bit better baker than myself. She's she does better things, different things okay. better than myself. Does she put cinnamon in her chocolate chip cookies? Uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask her. Mm -hmm. I'll have to make sure that she doesn't. Apparently. So. <laughs> So yeah, I'm excited for okay. that, which we, right now we're just doing granola. We sell granola in a couple shops mm -hmm. at um, Jewels and at Wildflowers okay. here in town, but then we also do granola subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So there's a, actually I need to put some boxes together to ship out to some customers that don't live here in Corpus that okay. love our granola that we ship them a box every, every What night. is the furthest place that you shipped a product for Fed by Bread? Well, I've shipped, well, I shouldn't say I've shipped. I've taken granola with me when we went to Rwanda. I actually okay. took granola and took it to our sponsor, Kids Moms. How fun. Yeah. So that would be the furthest distance it has gone. Um, probably California or New York City. Okay. All across say. the country. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So is granola something that the kids in Rwanda were familiar with, or was that a whole new adventure for them? Uh, no. They did not know what it was. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about that of how you can eat it. Well, you can eat it with your hand right. or, but they don't eat, they don't really eat dairy products. So it's okay. not like I'm like, go get some yogurt, eat it right. some yogurt. <laughs> put it on your yogurt. Or put it on your salad. Chips. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. That's true. Yeah. But so they're kind they of paleo diet all the time. Yeah. Rice and beans. Right. That's why we eat, my family, we eat rice and beans pretty regularly because I want them to know what most Absolutely. of the world eats. Yeah. It's a great thing. So with this one year hiatus, you're coming back to Corpus? That is the plan. Okay. Yeah. What is exciting to you about coming back to Corpus? I know that, you know, with, with Aaron being a reservist and a CPA and you being able to have someone kind of backstopping you for Fed by Red, y'all could kind of choose to go maybe where you wanted to. Why do you want to come back yeah. to Corpus? You know, the thing that I love most about Corpus is the people. Mm -hmm. And whenever you, We've had another opportunity to leave several years ago, okay. and that took us into, took me to a place of, I don't know if I want to leave all these people because you don't realize what you have mm -hmm. until it's either time to leave it or you're forced to leave it. And so just the relationships, our community that we have here, it has, even the depth of that has changed for us in the past two years of bringing the boys home and seeing the people, like, sure. not just our uh, yes, our church community, mm -hmm. our school community, our neighbors. I mean, we don't want to move off our street that we're in a small house with six people, but we love <laughs> our street so much Yes, <laughs> because we love our neighbors. And so it's the people that brings us back. I mean, yes, I don't love July and August in Corpus, <laughs> but right. I don't even know many people that do because it's just so It's hot. just the right time to be at the beach. It's That's why we're going to Rhode Island. That's we're going right. to enjoy summer up there. That'll be very nice for <laughs> yes. sure. Yeah, but it's the people. I love that it is small town, but yet not small town, that you run into people. I love going to HEB and seeing. Um, so it is the quality of people that mm -hmm. have chosen to be here because a lot of people want to leave small towns. I grew up in a small town and you want to leave. And so even though it's not tiny. Right. Um, and I love just the support. Yes, that if I would have tried to do something like this, if we would have tried to start something like this mm -hmm. in Austin or a bigger city, it would have been overwhelming, but a small, a small nonprofit like this can make it and do well because it's word of mouth. People are dropping a loaf of bread off right. at their neighbor's right. house or giving them a pan of cinnamon rolls at Christmas, and um, they love supporting locals, mm -hmm. and I love that. That is a wonderful thing. Well, thank you so much for yes. taking time to come on the podcast. It's yes. been fun to visit. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure.
It's always inspiring to hear about businesses designed with philanthropy in mind, and it's even more inspiring to hear how Holly and Aaron have put their passion for children into practice in their own home. Although we'll miss them while they're in Rhode Island, we'll welcome them back with open arms. And all the while, we'll continue to enjoy delicious Fed by Bread products. Place your Fed by Bread orders at fedbybread.org and follow them on social media at Fed by Bread. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram too at Echo Corpus. Thank you to our infrastructure partners, the Sound Guys, Clint Tucker Homes, and Sawyer Audiology. And thank you for taking time to listen.